0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Tracy Jones. Me, Heather Noble. I don't know about you, but they say a week's a long time in politics, but the weeks seem to just be flying past at the moment. I just can't. I just can't get my head around it. Anyway, this week for our topical discussion, we thought we'd take a look at a subject that has been very high up on the agenda, not only in business in recent weeks, but in our wider community. We thought we'd spend some time looking at the outputs from the Equality Act. The Equality Act came into um, existence in 2010, and it it brought together several pieces of existing legislation under one umbrella that we now know come under the heading of equality, diversity and inclusion. And we thought it would be worth spending a little bit of time looking at these, certainly in the context of the workplace. Um, and I wondered if we, it was worth just recapping on which pieces of legislation were all joined together to form this, this Equality Act, the Equal Pay Act of 1970. 50 years ago, the Sex Discrimination Act of 1975, the Race Relations Act of 1976, Disability Discrimination 1995, Um, Employment Equality on Religion or Belief 2003, Sexual Orientation 2003, Age 2006 and Sexual Orientation 2007. So it's interesting isn't it As, as you could almost look at those dates and see that that's when things were put on the radar and deemed to be something needs to be done about this. a bit of social really history
1: in all of that isn't yeah. It? yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and the idea that the Sex Discrimination Act came in in 1975 um, you know and here we are we very often talk about female male inequality etc so Never mind gender inequality, um, sexual orientation, inequality and all of those types of things. So I thought it was worth having a look at that. Tracy, what have have you unearthed
1: in terms of equality, diversity and inclusion? Well, one thing that I found is a little bit of research from the McKinsey Global Institute. And they estimate in this research that companies with um, gender parity um, could outperform their peers um, by 15% more likely to outperform their peers, sorry, and that gender parity could add $12 trillion, $12 trillion to the global economy. And furthermore, ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to outperform their peers too. So it got me thinking as to... You know, there's different reasons for that. And one one reason that sprang to mind was that when you've got people from different backgrounds, w- with different outlooks and different experiences in life, it, it's a breeding ground for innovation and creativity. You, you, you're you getting all the different sets of beliefs and views, different perspectives. I mean, we've talked about Caroline Criado Perez's book, previously invisible women where she yeah. talked about um, in planning meetings where there's only men sometimes they completely forget that there's a female gender as well that needs to be considered and i think it the same can be said much more broadly for uh, gender and ethnicity as well so I, th- I thought that was really interesting obviously apart from it being the right thing to do your business can benefit as well from having this diversity and equality in your, in your outlook and in your culture
0: yeah absolutely and the the types of discrimination that are covered by the equality act are the term protected characteristics and that's that's the phrase that we should all kind of have in the back of our mind because we need to we need to be mindful that they exist and that that term protected. Is, is really key in all of this. There's an awful lot of um, guidance and advice out there. The ACAS website talks at great length about how you can improve equality, diversity and inclusion in your workplace and it goes into, as you've just said, some of the reasons why it's a good thing to do quite apart from the fact it's the right thing to do. And it, and it, it you know, it, it picks up on things as, as straightforward as if you have a, a, a diverse workforce, you're going to serve a diverse range of customers, and and, and that in itself is is going to strengthen your offering, uh, making sure that it, it keeps your employees happy and motivated, it prevents you having to spend time looking at. Uh, legal issues around bullying or harassment or discrimination so it makes sound business sense to to get it right so that you can focus on running your business in the best possible way and one thing that I know maybe some of the um, smaller uh, business owners who are listening they may not have a workplace policy around Equality, diversity and inclusion and the benefits of that not only are that it's a point of reference if something were to go wrong, but it also demonstrates that as an organization. You treat everyone fairly and the expectation is set that everybody will do the same, and I think that very often when we think about policies, we think, oh, they're the stuff that large organizations have actually it doesn't need to be a great big manual, it can just be. This is a code of conduct. This is the way that we we, um, behave towards one another. And if if you have an issue, this
1: is how we resolve it. I think it's also important to bear in mind that you need to pass that information down to your employees, not just write the policy and leave it on a shelf. You do need to train your employees. I'm thinking for one really good example here uh, is the term banter. So when does yeah. banter become bullying and harassment? And, yeah. you know, there, there's some quite simple training that you can do just to actually highlight the fact that just because you say it's banter or think it's banter doesn't mean that it actually is. And actually what you might think is banter could be incredibly hurtful to somebody else. So I, I think if if you take some time to to look at your culture and see if this banter is actually happening and then really as a, a company you need to be responsible for making sure that that doesn't cause harm to your employees uh, you know bullying and harassment is is a really serious issue and for somebody to just say oh it's just banter can be masking a whole number of other issues that are going on so you know even if you've written a policy and you feel fairly watertight just look and see what's actually happening you know are, are jokes being made and yeah bear in mind that somebody who's who's the recipient of banter I just did air quotes then on the radio sorry (laughs) (laughs) banter air quotes Um, that they might be feeling that they can't say anything about it so you need to also foster in some sort of culture where people can reach out for help if they feel that they they can't answer back to the people who are making these supposed bantery type jokes with them.
0: Yeah, that has to come from communication and it has to come from from education. If you if you don't understand, I mean, there are examples of, you know, so religion, for example, there will be certain things that to one uh, religious group might be offensive, but might not be to another. And unless we can educate ourselves and make sure that we we understand where everybody's coming from then the chances are that we're going to get it wrong by accident. Never mind with intent, we might get it wrong by accident. And so it's about education and it's about open discussion, open conversation and giving people the opportunity to to perhaps focus on. I mean, you might have um, events around, you know, Black History Month or LGBT History Month or Mental Health Awareness Week. There are loads of different things that happen throughout the year that could be used to educate your workforce, to, to recognize their differences and celebrate their commonalities and celebrate the differences actually, because it makes for a much more enriched workforce.
1: Yeah, I think that um, sometimes in a workplace, you might get people saying, oh, no, I don't know what to say anymore. We used to use that word and I don't know if I'm okay to use that word now. And actually there, there is a little bit of education that you can do for yourself on those things, a little bit of reading. I tell you one one exercise that i did recently which was very very uncomfortable for everybody present and um, i did mental health first aider training earlier this year and one of the things they got us to do was to write down offensive language that we recalled from our primary school years and yeah, bear yeah. in mind i was in primary school in the 70s i felt really really uncomfortable writing it down But then we had to say it out loud and that that is really really shockingly Mm. um well embarrassing i've got to say i don't know if you've ever done a similar exercise but you know there's some things that are very obviously offensive and other things where you can, you know, do a little bit of research around it and if you're not sure, ask. Rather than just say, oh, I d do, I don't know, you know, you can't see yeah. anything these days, which is an oft, often a, a comeback of everything's offensive. You can't make a joke these days. Well actually, you know, if if you're leading a, a workforce where there seems to be uncertainty about that, just get a little bit of material, just help people to understand what and why something might be offensive. Yeah it is about education
0: and of course as employers again we need to be mindful of as part of the recruitment process we need to make sure that we aren't um using and this is a term we've mentioned in the past on the show unconscious bias you know just those things that have are embedded in your mind where you think that you know men work harder than women or men are stronger than women or um i don't know you, you make a judgment based on a stereotype based on somebody that you used to know who had similar characteristics etc and um, so it's really important that we keep keep just checking in with with each other so if you're recruiting sound use somebody else as a sounding board to check that there isn't that you aren't you haven't suddenly only selected women or only selected men because sometimes it can take an outsider to say do you, do you do realize that everybody here is under the age of 30 and they're all female or whatever um I think that's that's really important and again ACAS has got lots of um downloadable resources uh that can help you with with a lot of this uh, just to promote some thinking really and some discussion I did find Um, a website called skillcast.com which had some really interesting UK discrimination cases Uh, and I will put a link to this on our website which is thebusiness.community and they range from things like um, an 89 year old NHS secretary who was still working, Uh, she's the oldest person in the UK to win an age discrimination claim because her superiors uh, where she worked fired her claiming that she was stuck in her old secretarial ways um, and that she wasn't um computer savvy uh she was fired for being unable to use a modern computer but the tribunal found that um the uh the on on the job training had not suited her well so she didn't get a job back but she got two hundred thousand pounds uh and then a company that we've mentioned um fairly recently we did a a, a review on which was brew dog the brewery so they came up with um they make a a, a beer called punk ipa and they renamed it pink ipa to raise awareness about the gender pay gap they sold them a pound cheaper than the standard drink but in order to buy when you had to be a woman okay (laughs) a guy tried to purchase some of the Some of the pink IPA was refused due to his gender, was awarded a thousand pounds in compensation for humiliation. So it's it's, it's not just about your staff, it's about everything that you're doing. You just need to just take a step back and think, is this likely to be offensive to anybody? Is this likely to be problematic to anybody?
1: You're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And in the other news section, I'm going to lead with a story that I read in Business Insider this week. And it's about an anonymous survey that was posted by a Google employee. And the survey asked whether working from home was hurting the workers' mental health. And apparently, two thirds of 10,000 people who responded said yes which I was absolutely amazed at. One, that 10,000 people would respond to the survey and that two-thirds are finding that working from home is harming their mental health. And the companies apparently where employees feel remote work is hurting their mental health most are Yelp, Facebook, PayPal and Yahoo. And the companies where the fewest employees feel remote work stress are Snapchat, workday and t-mobile that i didn't get any more information than that but i just it, it's the other balance isn't it a lot of people um assume that working from home is the, the idyllic situation and you know that working from home reduces your commute it means that you can wear your pajamas it, it means that you can be more flexible But obviously, some of the downsides of that are causing people some mental health issues.
0: So we've talked about that
1: quite yeah isolation yeah um, yeah um, the 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 fact that you're not working from home you're living at work (laughs) yeah 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 and and I think that I think
0: what it's proving is that we're all different and permanently working from home all the time isn't quite the same as working from home a couple of days a week where you might get. You might feel that you know what's going on and you might get your fix of that interaction and having a finger on the pulse it doesn't mean it's not all or nothing i think there's i think we're going to move to a time when there's a bit of a hybrid and that yeah. gives people what they need
1: hopefully. yeah so that that's a bit of food for thought and uh, i think that there's obviously going to be more on this there's a um software that i've just implemented in the um, in organization i work for and they're just playing catch up with the work from home so it's it's um tracking um working time and uh, previously before covid working from home was a very rarely used feature for this company whereas yeah. now they're having to put it at the center of their offering so many more people are working from home at, either um, through choice or uh, because they're having to. And and this company's having to change its software offering on that basis. So there's a lot of developments and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where we are in 12 months time with all of this. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's developing rapidly is Microsoft's development of their 365 suite. And I've talked previously about really looking forward to being able to access their development of Excel, which links in with bank accounts. It's called Money in Excel. It's already happening in America. It's not quite ready in the UK. But this week, I had an email from Microsoft trumpeting the fact that Teams isn't just for work anymore. Now, they have been sort of placing little adverts out there saying teams is coming teams is coming but this weekend i was able to start open a teams account from my personal email and the idea is that they were mainly pushing the app on phone and tablet so when i click the link to sign up it gave me a link to download it to my phone as an app didn't give me a link to download it to my laptop so presumably it's wanting it on on tablets and phones, and they say to stay connected with family and friends, all in one place. It's, it's tricky on that because, as we've said before, there are lots of um, tools available for connecting with people. However, I was interested in this because I've been using Teams in the workplace now quite heavily for the last twelve months, and it's fully integrated into the work that I do. We use it for collaboration and communication. We use it for meetings. We use lots of different channels linked to different sites. We use it for projects. There's so many ways that it's just really integrated itself in with the 365 suite. We use SharePoint quite a lot as well and Outlook. So they're all integrated. So I was thinking, how could I use this from a personal point of view? And I wondered whether the collaboration that me and you do in preparing for this show... Yes, folks, we do prepare. Yes, we do. Yes. Um, And we tend to... We've tried a number of different ways before, haven't we? And we always seem to fall back to just using simple messenger, which isn't very um, sophisticated. And we send so many messages that even if we have to look back two weeks to see what we discussed then we're scrolling for like half an hour so we know it's not the best tool but I'm not sure that I can make the switch to teams either and whether it's worth the effort so I'm putting it out there today Heather I've sent you an invite to sign up for teams and for us to have a go using it using our personal email addresses rather than our corporate ones what do you think well yeah interesting because teams
0: i i don't use teams for my business but i am invited to teams meetings by clients very often Um, and that works beautifully so when i saw that you appeared to have sent me an invitation to a teams meeting i thought that's fine i'll just click on that maybe we're going to use that to record the show and untold problems occurred like yeah. it didn't recognize didn't didn't know who i was and i was like well this doesn't i wasn't really inviting have. you to a meeting no so. no i realized that now because i was thinking why is this not working so um so yes maybe we can give it a go i think the beauty of messenger that we use is because if we are chatting just generally um not about the show uh that's one thing but then we use it to if we have a great idea, we just park it there. So we know that all of our conversations really exist in one, um, in one, in one, on one platform, and I find that really helpful. Um, rather than did we email it? Did we
1: what? Oh, did we talk about it? No, we we messaged it. We did try one other Microsoft product quite a while ago, and that was OneNote, but that never really took off for us either. yeah yeah no not yeah it just didn't it didn't quite work but for the so. sake of the show shall we give teams a, a quick go and see if and it's about changing habits isn't it it's about yeah making the leap from something that actually works okay for us and seeing if it's worth the effort to make that leap to something else which could potentially have loads more benefits but at the moment why, why change something if it's not broken okay yeah, maybe it. we
0: can yep yeah. We'll discuss it on air, and let's hope that we both are of the same mind as to whether or not it's any good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what right. news have you got, Heather? I've got I've got a couple of stories. Um, the first one I just wanted to flag up because Amazon we we barely have a week where Amazon isn't up to something, and there's another shake up taking place in the world of grocery because Amazon are taking on the supermarkets by offering free food delivery um, to Amazon Prime members. They're looking at around 300 postcoded areas in the south, uh, in, in London and the southeast. Basically, if you order over 40 quid's worth of food, um, you, you get free delivery. Uh, they're planning to roll it out so that by the end of 2020, there will be millions of people who have access to this. So uh, watch this space, I guess. Um, so if you want to buy your lettuce on Amazon, I think, you know, that time might not be too far away. Um, A story that has been in the news over the last few days, and this is the whole 14-day quarantine being reintroduced to travellers from Spain. Um, Obviously, it's, it's, it's confusing for a lot of people. And from an employer point of view, I think it's worth just taking a look at what your employee is entitled to, uh, and what you can reason- reasonably do as their employer. Um, if you ha- it, so, will my employer pay me if I have to isolate on return from Spain? Uh, it depends on you, the employer. Uh, ACAS says staff are automatically entitled to statutory sick pay if they are self-isolating after return from holiday, but they should let you know as soon as possible and seek out details of your company's policy if you have one. If you don't have a policy, this might be a good time to put one in place because I'm sure that we're going to see this happening with other countries, um, you know, as we continue through the year and into next year probably. For if staff can work from home, they can be paid as normal, but if they can't, then you might want to ask them to take annual leave if they've got any accrued or if you're willing to let them advance that. Um, Or you could choose to pay them sick pay, either at a statutory rate or at a higher level. So again, ACAS is your go-to website for guidance on what you can and can't do. And then finally, an interesting article that um, I saw in the FT advisor column regarding lasting powers of attorney. I think most of us have heard about lasting power of, powers of attorney in terms of perhaps elderly relatives or, or spouses or you know, just in case we lose capacity. But uh, there's an article that's saying that you can set one up for a business. And that's not something that I'd ever considered, uh, certainly not for my business, but even just as a thing. Uh, so. A lot of um, businesses don't know about it, therefore don't do it. Therefore, um, if something happens where somebody loses capacity, suddenly bank business bank accounts can't be accessed, it takes months to make decisions, um, and that can cause major problems for the business. So I think it's something that's worth flagging up uh, and I will put a link to that article along with everything else that we're talking about on today's show on our website, which is thebusiness.community. I'm so excited about my discovery for this week. It's something that I wasn't going to have as my discovery until I saw a notification of an interview that was taking place On Tuesday on YouTube where uh, a lady called Anne Franca um, who is the chief executive of the Chartered Management Institute was going to be interviewing your friend of mine Tracy Dame Stephanie Shirley. Well
1: you're excited I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) why didn't you message me this we're talking about messenger being our main form of communication come on (laughs) Was it, was it good? It, it was really
0: good. It was titled "A Whole New World: How the World Has Changed Since Lockdown," uh, and it was it was it was just a straight Q and A. Um, there were opportunities for um, viewers to pose questions, but essentially, it was just Dame Stephanie, Steve, Dame stephanie steve shirley doing what she does brilliantly which is just sharing her views and her opinions on the world of business and life in general and she talked a lot throughout it about um, how business life is measured and based on what we achieve our motivation Um, and she when she was asked why she embarked on the path that she went on she said quite candidly but I'm sure that she has said it before because of her um because of her background and because of her involvement in the holocaust and how she was saved she felt that she needed to justify having been saved and so that was her motivation in life was to to do something that would make a difference that would mean that she was giving something back I guess to those people who didn't didn't make it through the holocaust so that was that was fantastic she talked a lot about diversity um and one thing and i don't know why i'd only made the connection today i knew why she was called steve because when she was approaching trying to sell computer programmers into organizations on a freelance basis her letters never got responded to because they were signed stephanie shirley but her husband said Stephanie and Shirley are both girls' names. It's a double whammy. I'd not even picked up on that. Good point I just thought it, so so he said, you know you've got a you've got a double female there. Why don't you change your name to Steve? which she did and um and the rest, as they say, is history. But she talked about how um, the organization that she set up, which was basically kitchen tech ta- women working at kitchen tables, Pro, programming computers she said we kind of invented the gig economy we were the ultimate agile organization because we didn't we had some 20 20 employed and 80 percent who were on a panel so they were kind of freelancers so we could flex the business as and when need dictated um, and she talked about the fact that people were working from home made them 40% more efficient. And she would, she's all over the data. She says that COVID, there is increased efficiency with people working from home, but it's at about 20%. So some really interesting stats. Um, she talked, can you tell I enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she talked um, about being a venture philanthropist and how she has learned to give money away wisely. She said, you'd think it'd be easy to give away money. You need to give it away to the people who need it most. And she said, I found the two things that I care about and they are IT and autism. And so now that I know that they're the only things that I care about, that is my focus, that is my motivation. Um, Her book, Let It Go is being made into a film. So if you haven't already read the book, um th- there's there's a film in the offing and apparently the the act- actors who've been shortlisted to play her are emily blunt and claire foy as long as their um, diaries permits and yeah just generally it was fantastic now what i haven't found out is whether or not um it's available to view again on youtube but i suspect it will be but the part one of the parting things that i will leave is that she talks about the gender pay gap and she said, and we've discussed it a lot on this show, um, she, she said that through COVID, unfortunately, that has kind of been thrown by the wayside because we are in survival mode and things like the gender pay gap is deemed a nice to have, but she hopes that we will in time move forward and get back on track with that, hopefully with bells and whistles. Um, so if I'll, I'll see if I can find a link and I will put it on our website if I can it it was just lovely it was just 45 minutes of well she was just
1: fantastic did she give a reason why she thought we were less efficient and effective at home now than when she was running her business I would be thinking it'd be because her business was set up that way whereas the people who are working from home now are, are having to do it um You know, off off the cuff, and you know, sort of new to them, and having to find new ways of working. Did she mention that at all?
0: She didn't talk specifically about that, but I think that what we have to remember is that the people who were working from home were working during a global pandemic, and are working during a global pandemic. So there's a lot of other plates being spun. So it may be, it may be that. Um, But no, she didn't talk specifically about
1: it, but it's a really interesting point. Mm. Well, what have you got? I I don't want to say now. It's it's very exciting, but it's nowhere near as exciting as what you did today. I bought a new book, and um, it may surprise you to know that it's by the same author as the book I reviewed last week, which was called Visual Thinking. I liked it so much. I bought Visual Doing. And I inspired Not you to buy Visual Did you thinking. buy the company? No, I didn't buy the company, just the book, just the book. And, um, yeah, I inspired you to buy the book as well, did I, Heather? Yes, I have a copy of Visual Thinking, yes, because it sounded great. Well, should I go out and buy Visual Doing? Well, work through Visual Thinking first. I've had a, a good go through it, and that's why I decided to get the the Visual Doing, because it's... Um, drilling down a bit deeper into some of the advice in the first book. So I've done some of the drawings. I still don't feel very confident with my skills. And so I thought, right, this might take me a little bit further. It's interesting that it, it drills down into some of the skills. And I, I've, I also already feel a little overwhelmed with how much I need to learn. So maybe I'll, I'll just slow it down a little bit and, and, and take it step by step. But also there's um two chapters where um, the author refers to undeepening, where she actually breaks things down into um easier to implement skills and tools, so she deconstructs some of the pictures and and talks you through how if you can write, you can draw, and so she draws some of the shapes using letters, things like that. So I think it might actually improve my confidence if I do work through this. But one thing I have to do is allow myself a little bit of time, not feel like I have to master it straight away. Um, There is also at the front a QR code where you can download worksheets, which I've done. I printed them off just before the show and a little disappointed to find out that I obviously didn't have the setup right because they don't sit on my page right but I've got them saved. I will work out a better way to do it. Maybe print them on a 3 instead. But there's six pages of worksheet that are provided free of charge. Interestingly enough, when I clicked on the QR code link um, to go to the website, um, my internet service provider flagged it up and said that it was going to a scam website. Um, I did check it out. It was the website of the author, uh, sorry, the publisher of the book but it can be a little alarming if you get that message. Mm. And I just thought I'd mention um, in my aim to avoid death by PowerPoint, and we've talked at great length about how um, the, the TED Talk books by Akash Karia uh, really inspired us. And this is another way of doing it, staying away from PowerPoint altogether and doing drawings in your presentations and team meetings. Um, and there's one page, that, um, it's a page of drawings. I'll show you on the screen, Heather. I'm afraid listeners at home obviously won't see this. But my. Okay, yeah. It. And it's called Bad Excuses for Not Doing Visuals. <laughs> and, okay. And I, okay, fair enough. I, yeah. Um, number one sorry, I lost my market. One of the things I thought was, oh, I haven't got the right pens for this. <laughs> I, my question was going to be, have you ordered lots of stationery? Not yet, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's a good excuse to order lots of stationery, don't <laughs> you think? Another, reason, another bad excuse for not doing visual is I'm not as good as Wilhelmine, uh, who's the author. Or yep. Drawing takes too much time. I can't think of my own designs. It's childish. They won't understand. No, we need the text first. Uh, The managers still have to review the text, and I'm not creative. Now, I think I could probably tick all of those and say that might have been a good reason for me to not use visuals. But I am challenging myself to actually um, utilise some of the ideas to just improve... I, I use a lot of um, post-it notes anyway, and there's an interesting section in this book that talks about the use of post-it notes. And ha- she even talked about drawing on the post-it notes because often if I'm using a post-it note, I'll scribble a message on. Yeah. And I actually, having seen even the way she talks about using fonts and how you write on a, on a, um, a piece of paper or on a post-it note makes a real visual impact So I think I'm going to take that on board. If nothing else, I'm going to write more clearly and more tidily on the whiteboard or on the flip chart or even on the post-it note. So that's a follow on from visual thinking, visual doing. It's worth a go. Get visual thinking first, though. See if you like it. And if you like it, then consider visual doing. And
0: how many weeks away do you think we are from you doing the... um, the photo replacement for our blog
1: oh is this a challenge (laughs) give me a couple of weeks yeah i'll i'll do the photo for the blog okay so that's so that's where we're looking at you doing a visual representation of what we've discussed (laughs) cheers thanks very much (laughs) for that yes challenge accepted don't expect it every week though (laughs) Brilliant, I can't wait, I can't wait. This week we're profiling somebody who I was initially surprised to see on a list of influential entrepreneurs. And I think you probably were too, Heather. And that yeah, is Lady. that if you're of a certain age, like Heather and I are, you'll remember her from Saturday Morning TV and from Tomorrow's World and um goes the theory. This is indeed Maggie Philbin or Margaret Elizabeth Philbin. She's a radio presenter, radio and television presenter. But the reason why she's made it onto this list of influential entrepreneurs, is that in 2008, she created an organisation called Teen Tech, which is an interactive science and engineering organisation for teenagers. Uh, The name sort of gives that one away. This woman has got more honorary degrees than I've had hot dinners. She's got (laughs) awards left, right and centre. She's on lists of most influential women in IT, in the UK. She's on the Digital Skills Task Force. She's appeared as a witness for the House of Lords Digital Skills Committee. She's in Computer Weekly's Hall of Fame. And that... I suppose, sums up why she's on the list. She has been um, encouraging and promoting science and technology for teenagers for many years and seems to be doing it rather well. So Heather, were you surprised when I suggested Maggie Philwin? Did you immediately think of multicoloured swap shop?
0: I immediately thought of Tomorrow's World, which um, was probably the my father would think that it was at least some education before Top of the Pops came on. (laughs) Right. So that was about, you know, Thursday night. I think it was on before or I I can't remember, maybe after. Anyway, they were synonymous with one another. Um, And yeah, I did think, well, okay, isn't she a broadcaster, TV presenter, maybe author? Um, and, of course, she is all of those things, uh, but she um, she is so much more, as you say. The thing that I was most surprised to learn is that she and I have 10 um, mutual connections on LinkedIn. Do you, indeed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I frantically scooted around to find out who those people were and why they were connected. And a couple of them actually work in um in stem so it's probably not that surprising but um in um on her her own website uh, maggiephilbin.com Maggie she talks a lot about the work that she's does she's done with teen tech and um and given that we've been talking about uh diversity and equality and and, and inclusivity it seemed it seemed really fitting we've had um, the the we've had the opportunity um, in the past to in- interview the um, oh, what title did they go by president? Wasn't it? Yes. Of the Institute of Chartered Engineers.
1: Civil engineers.
0: Yes. Civil engineers. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, and it would, I think it would be quite nice to get the, t- the two of those in a room because I'm pretty sure that she, she'll, she knows her stuff. There are a number of videos um, on YouTube where she's giving talks about the power of technology um you know why why women can and should be encouraged to come into these mm-hmm. these these sectors um but yeah she she wasn't um she i wouldn't have thought of her as from a business point of view although she does an awful lot of work with businesses to gauge what they're looking for what they need what the skills gaps are and then how we go about selling that into young people to encourage them into the different uh, industry
1: sectors she is an experienced keynote speaker so she does a lot of talks uh, to organizations on diversity and technology and uh, she's said in um, i think this is on her website actually that it's not only morally right but it makes very sound economic sense, sort of going full circle to where we started the show, really. Um, she says that companies waste a lot of talent by neglecting diversity. And so um, in, in, on her website, she says she provides practical advice on how businesses can harness modern technology, not only to improve their profits, but this bit I thought was quite interesting, to develop their trust and credibility. Now, I think that's a really interesting point because sometimes when companies seem to separate themselves from their customers with technology, trust and credibility can take a bit of a dive, can't it? You know, so you get the chatbots in instead of a person to speak to or you you go through an automated system. It seems to actually have a negative effect. So I think it's really interesting that she's there um, encouraging businesses to use technology to develop the trust and credibility
0: one thing it's almost as if we planned it isn't it we, um very topically uh on uh, yesterday on uh, the 29th the Teen tech awards for 2020 were announced um and there's information there's loads of fantastic pictures about young girls in schools talking about drilling precision holes and designing things and looking at biology left right and center so um it's an interesting report it talks about the different programs that they run so if you're listening as somebody who has an interest in perhaps getting your children into this sector or encouraging um, skilled individuals into your sector then it's certainly worth having a look at the program and i will pop a link to it on our website which is thebusiness.community
1: So that's all we've got time for this week on the business community. We do hope that you will join us again next week. You've been listening
0: to the business community with me, Heather Noble.
1: And me, Tracy Jones.
0: Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.